both of us are back again this episode. It's been a couple of weeks since I've yeah, actually spoken to you. Uh, you know, I've, I've I talked to you by text and everything, but it's been a couple of weeks mm-hmm. since I've actually spoken to you. Uh, you know, on on air or on phone or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's gone the last week. Last week was was busy. Oh, you did get the slurp in the did you in the intro? Did you get the slurp in the intro? This is Tonto. Mm. Okay, guys, sorry. I, I said I'm I'm trying to get my head back into this here. Um, yeah, I've been gone the because uh, the speaking events started to kick up again, like in person events. So I had I had a well, I had the the book signing, which I think we talked about on the last show, but then um. Uh, in Florida. And then I had a speaking event in Oklahoma city, which was awesome. And, uh, and then I had one in Naples, Florida again, uh, for, uh, APCA, the American pipe. I oh, gosh, I forgive me if I say it wrong, but it's, it, it was a corporation. It's a, it's a, uh, bunch of executives that, that are in energy, whether it be fossil fuels or natural, or what is that what they call it? The, the, the turbines and stuff like that, or, or natural gas. And um, which is still not uh, if for all you all you environmentalists out there. I know that's still not a natural energy source. But anyway, just trying to get the word natural in there. All right. Anyway, but I, t- <laughs> I talked to them. and That was a great event. Being in Naples again, being in Florida at all is, is fantastic, especially right now. Weather was great. And then speaking for the group, which I've spoken for this group before four years ago in Puerto Rico. It's actually where I sp- they always have great events in great places. And they're a tremendous group of people, so it was awesome. And um, yeah, brother, now we're now we're back here uh, doing our show. Yes, sir. A little bit. So, uh, yeah, before we get into everything, um, and I'm really excited to bring Mike Schlitz on. Uh, Fort Scott Munitions has been doing an awesome job. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that we receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Now, Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, but right now on the website, they are not stocking on the website. So go to the dealer, dealer locator and you're going to see wherever they have locations. And I mean, they're all over the country. Like I could say by me, I even look closest location to me is in Merrick, uh, South Shore uh, Sportsman. So shout out to them for for stocking Fort Scott. And I've even looked in your area. There's dealers in Omaha. Oh, Chances yeah. are if you enter your zip code, you're going to find someone within a pretty decent driving distance. And, and they do a great job. And, and they've, you know, now they're doing apparel. And if you go to their new apparel video, it's me and my mediums. Look, so you can see see the the t shirts they and they they come out with some creative designs. Yeah. And uh, for those that don't know, Ryan Kraft, who who who's owner of the company, he has a big fascination with with Sasquatch. He really believes Sasquatch is out there. So there's an actual Sasquatch Fort Scott shirt, which I think is awesome. Which in his area though, they're called skunk apes. See, I pay attention to that stuff too. The Midwest in the in the Mark Twain National Forest in the Missouri, there's the skunk apes out there. But uh, yeah, the, the, the apparel's awesome. They use great quality quality shirts, next level shirts, which are the soft Those ones. Are all, and, yeah, and, yeah, they are. Actually, so, I, so give them a check I don't out. Want one right now, usually have a next level, some type of next you level. Do. Well, that's all. I'm, 
I, well, that's the only, I mean, that's the, really the best out there. Really. There's anything that competes with them. Uh, next level, we gave you a free shout out. Now come sponsor the show. <laughs> so you guys, but now fantastic group of people in the ammos out there. Just keep checking on the, that they are. They're growing and they're, they've grown huge in the last four years. So yeah, that are probably somewhere nearby your, your local area there. Yep. Just check them out. It's the dealer locator right on the website. And then if you want to order merch, as Tonto just mentioned, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. And that's at fortscottmunitions.com. F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com or link in description. Promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the battle line podcast let's get this shit started from omaha nebraska to new york city from planet earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on, Battleline podcast, and uh, yeah, excited to have Mike Schlitz coming on, another Army Ranger. It's been a bit since we've had an Army Ranger other than yourself on the show. Um, yeah, but uh, we're recording this on Good Friday. By the time people hear it, Easter will have already happened, um, but any any big Easter plans? I mean, hope, hope you guys enjoyed your Easter since you'll be listening on Monday. Yeah, Easter, family, since we're talking about it, in future pretense here, um, now we eggs and and candy and chocolate and and then uh, do a prayer do a prayer in the morning and you know and then just have a good day. It's supposed to be nice, you know. I know it's it's starting to speak like it already has happened, but nice weather this weekend uh, for for Omaha, which is finally finally starting to get some warmer weather out here. I don't know how it's supposed to be where you're located at, Ian, but. But we had a cold front go through, so maybe hitting you guys this weekend. On our, yeah, or, right or, now or it has cold. hit you guys. <laughs> right now it's Ew. cold. It has been warm, and then it got cold. But, you know, that nice weather is is starting to uh, come about. So, yeah, hope you guys all enjoyed. Um, for any of you who celebrate for, you know, and, and also the whole reason for Easter. I mean, one of the biggest holidays on on the Christian founder. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so at least say a prayer in the morning. If you don't go to church, no big deal. If you don't, if you want to do it, if you don't, no big deal. Just sit, just sit down and take a knee and, or, or take both knees and say a quick prayer and, and then carry on with your day with the family. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, uh, there's definitely no obligation to go to a church in in the Bible or even in the word to Jesus. I mean, there were no churches, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, no big deal there, guys. Don't need to congregate to get to heaven. They don't need to. But if you do, nothing wrong with it either. So for sure. either or as long as as long as you're as long as you're saying your prayers and some facet and giving thanks for Jesus being here for another Easter. And you know, things like we're, we're gonna get into about the baseball season coming up, which to me is a huge positive, especially if they're opening up the opening up the uh, the stadiums again. I think things are looking up, man. Yeah. It's interesting though, because there was supposed to be the first Met game last night, but then there was a case of COVID on I'm trying to think of what team they were playing. So that got canned. That but just, um there were other there were other I, games that happened though. I, I don't understand. Yeah, you know, there is a one case of COVID. So I, I just don't get why because guys whole, are playing I, in close it, quarters. So one guy gets COVID, then a whole team. So get get his ass out of there. I mean, hey, go take a go go stay yeah, at home I, and rest and close it I off. I think the issue is if he practiced with them prior to getting um diagnosed with COVID, I think that could be the issue. So and then they, um, they they just don't test everybody. I mean, there's testing. Places. I think they do. They I, think they, I think they do. And I, I think the issue is just if it pops up at a certain time, before you know, because they canceled it right before the game. So this must have been last minute, um, yeah. which kind of screws over people who are going to the <clears> game. But uh, I well, think things should resume uh, probably in the next couple of days for the Mets. But on another note, my Islanders are doing amazing. You're Ivan. There you go, and, and they keep playing as the hockey guys. Yeah, you don't care about COVID. Hockey's hockey, man. Those guys are tough. I'm kidding, dude. I, for I've some no, reason, no idea what the what it is. For some reason, the NHL has done a better job with uh, quarantining guys. I I just honestly, and I think some of it has to do. I wish I could say it was all objectivity, but I don't think that is. I think some of it is subjectivity based off of who's in charge and the fear of. What's going to happen in the spotlight if somebody gets one gets a and then all of a sudden a fan gets it and I I think honestly I, I think that's the whole way it's been through through with hockey you see hockey hockey has that stigma of, of fearlessness and they actually I, play out with that I am going to disagree really with you because they I, I had the same exact things happen they've they've had games canceled the same way baseball and football but they just. But they have, but they've they're continuing on every once more so is what you're saying. I don't know. Are they continuing on more no, so? Is it, that's what you're no, saying. It's, they're, they're continuing. No, on. it's ex- it's been exactly the same. But Canada, but when they were in the bubble in Canada, somehow they just really quarantined these guys that they didn't have to cancel as many games. Uh, all right. I I still I don't know. I've been out there still like crazy last two years. So I I don't know, guys. We there's got to be a chance where. Fear has got to be put aside. I know there's you've got to use common sense, but there's time where you got to take that first step. And if you don't, it's just going to continue to be, well, let's go have it. Oh, no, somebody got it. We got to cancel it. And that's going to, we're going to be going no, 20 years I, down the road. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm just have, saying, oh, no, we got to cancel No, yeah, yeah, I'm no, just saying, in terms of how the organizations are run, they've been run pretty similar in terms of if they have okay. to cancel right. games, hey. they will. And you would know. I mean, you would. I mean, that's not a smart ass comment. That's actually Ian would because I don't pay attention to a lot of it. I get a lot of my what's going on actually for me in, in here, which is good. I, that's and that's fine. But uh, I was hoping maybe something positive would I could say about the NHL, which I will say because they did have a game, as you said, and the Islanders are doing well. Doing I don't amazing team anymore. I I, I used you to know have Flyers, but that was a long time ago. That was when I used to know hmm. players. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. It'll be amazing if the aisles go all the way because it's long, it's a long time coming. Um, the other thing that I wanted to get to that was actually pretty interesting, I thought, is that the company Entercom, which is like a media giant 
has rebranded as Odyssey. And the reason behind it is because they felt that um, Entercom kind of uh, was symbolic of the old era of radio and podcasts have just gotten gotten so big that they don't want to be branded as just a radio company. And we have friends who work at Entercom, like Jack Murphy, um, Vets Connect is through Entercom. And I know other people doing stuff at Vets Connect. So I just think that's it's very symbolic of uh, of podcasts really taking over things. And if you look at how big like Barstool Sports is right now, I think old media is starting to die out in comparison to what podcasts are doing. And it, I just think yeah. it's, it's good for anybody in, in the <clears throat> podcast fields. I, I definitely good for podcasts. I, I hope radio doesn't die out. I actually, I'm doing a radio show in Oklahoma city, an actual radio show this upcoming nice. week. And, uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing the TV media start to die out. Cause really, I, I think it podcast, is. You know, and well, that's great. I, to me, that's a positive. <laughs> definitely. I, I positive. never turn my TV on. I really don't. I, I, don't. I, I didn't yeah. even have yeah. cable. Um, when I was living on my own and when I live on my own in the next few weeks, I probably, you know, sometimes they have like cable for a pretty good deal for the first year and they want you to stay hooked to Didn't it. They? But I, I could very much live without it. I really don't need it. Don't care. Like I would say 90% of my media consumption is podcasts and YouTube. And it's, it's, you're getting a real person. You're getting, yes, you are getting opinions, but man, the thing is it's so easy just to click both opinions and both sides. And you don't have to see a, don't have to see a face per se, but eh, if you have the video, I guess you can, but you can still listen to it in your car because they always stream just audio as well. So I, yeah. I think that is a positive. I, I, I definitely do. And the way you're going that way and for us, of course, it's a positive for, for us being a podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, People getting away from the the talking heads on the media uh, is something I you know and I know you you watch my some of my posts and stuff that I do that that's huge to me because uh, being behind the scenes there which a lot of people aren't behind that curtain you know you have been with with Sirius as well you know a lot of it's just sometimes the divisiveness is just a show just to just to get the money up there just to get the ratings up so there's a battle and and. And it's gone to the, it's gone by the wayside, man. Right now, the the real reporters, I don't even know if there are real reporters out there anymore. It's just people that are spitting sides where podcasts, I, I mean, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, brother, but some of them do the same. I mean, there still are left-wing and right-wing podcasts. Oh, of course. I mean, some of the lot. biggest, I mean, like Dan Bongino's show is one of the biggest. Yeah, and, I yeah, mean, Dan, yeah. Dan is, and I like Dan, but yeah, Dan's a right-wing, uh, yeah. you know, politic, uh, political opinion guy. And, and and but there's also the ability to turn on which you can't really turn on the TV set and listen to motivational and faith based and and patriotic or just getting into just getting into specific subjects like art or how to stuff how to do stuff. Like, there's every that's, the, that's the whole that. thing is there's there's yeah. something for everyone. Um, yeah, because yeah, I come from the world of old school radio where it was like you want to broadcast to a large demographic of people. And now you could really narrow cast to a specific of a demographic as you want. Yeah. And which I think is a great thing. I really like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, I had Izzy Presley on last week and he talks eighties rock and compares like different eighties rock albums. That would never be a show on yeah. FM radio. It just wouldn't work. But for uh, podcasts, you could be as specific as you want. And there's an audience for it. And some of that stuff is cool, especially back growing up in the 80s. I listened to 80s pod, like 80, I'll YouTube it when I'm driving and listen to either documentaries or podcasts on 80s bands or 90s bands or the grunge era 
which when I drove from Oklahoma City, I was listening to a, a, a it was a recorded podcast. I just searched it on YouTube, piped it in through my Bluetooth there about a uh, the uh, Alice in Chains history. And it was with uh, with Staley was on there, man. And it was awesome because that's what I, that reminds me of my past because I, I man, just so blessed to grow up. And I thought about that. How blessed to grow up in an era when music was there because you had the grunge area, grunge era, but then you had some tremendous singers like Whitney Houston. I mean, they, they don't make those. Whitney Houston, even Madonna, listen to it back in the 80s. She was actually compared to now. Oh my, she could sing. Back then it was like, my, no, she can't sing because you had Aretha Franklin, you had Whitney Houston and back when we were growing up, she's terrible. Now you listen to her voice and you listen to all the auto-tune singers out there and you're going, I'm going like, wow, she was actually pretty talented, <laughs> obviously. And, and I, I just think back, Think back to listen to like the Audio Slave, and then you had the Soundgarden when they were coming up, and then you had, you know, just the, that era of grunge. They just don't bands don't come around like that anymore. You don't have that. I, that I, 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 think I don't think so. I think there are great bands coming out now, but the difference is, and Izzy actually said this last week, there's no gatekeepers anymore. So there's a lot more things yeah. to sift through to like find the good stuff. But there are great bands. I mean, we've had some of them on this show. Um, it's just that they're not play, you know, it's not what's played on do you radio. Think they get, do you think, yeah, they get the, the good ones, the great ones that the non auto tune ones, do you think they're, they do get pushed to the side because maybe somebody doesn't think they're commercial, even though they're, they're probably the better band, better musicians. There's something commercially, not that, that some asshole at a, at a record label or late, would they even call it record labels? Anymore? Yeah, for sure. But there's, um, um uh, there's also way music is a way smaller part of the culture now. And so that's why I think there's way less artists. Cause if you even think about in 2021, like who is a mega star, there's only like a handful of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think in the eighties and nineties and even early two thousands, like you could rattle off like dozens of mega stars. So yeah, there's, there's these like very specific sounds that appeal to a wide demographic, but if you sort through all the stuff going on online, you you just got to look through a lot of it. But there's, I, I think there's there's plenty of good stuff out there. It's just not in your face anymore. I uh, man, I don't know. I, I I wish it wasn't. Was that stuff was in your face because it just it really helped you get through the days, man. Listening to alternative music, you listen to it now, and it actually there, there's some depressing parts of it, but there's actually very positive stuff. And those guys work their asses off. I mean, just unbelievable how much the shit they had to go through just to make it. And, and like the Pearl jams, I just listen, watch those documentaries. Or like I said, when we watched the, the hair metal band, uh, what was that show? I watched, you know, it's oh, uh, the, the decline of Western um, civilization part. Two. I know it. And, and every one of those guys back when I was growing up, it was like, you never want, yeah, you, that's those guys that smoke out by the tree, but then you listen to them. They were so dedicated and they worked their asses off to be great. And that was part of their persona, you know, the, the Motley Cruz and, and, the, and who else did you have out there? Uh, how am I not thinking of any more? Cause I listened to all of those bands, even the wingers. I mean, even wing, just guys like that. Um, who's the guest we want to have on? Oh, Mark Slaughter uh, at some point. Slaughter. Mark Slaughter. <laughs> Slaughter, you know, Slaughter, Slaughter was awesome. Uh, yeah. And those guys could could wail and play. They were awesome. They were they were talented, and they worked hard. And it's funny you didn't ever think of it that way when I was growing up because you're like, oh, those guys are wastes. What are they doing? And then you look back at it now and go, man, they they really epitomized the values that we talk about on the show. That 
<laughs> just didn't see back in the day. They just wanted to be successful. And they knew every one of them was like, yeah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Even if they didn't, it was, I'm going to make it. Yep. What are you going to do if you don't make it? That's not an option. I'm going to make it. <laughs> it's funny it you like, mentioned that because I actually watched a uh, interview uh, on YouTube. I think it was just yesterday I watched, not with one of the kids in that documentary, but it was a kid who was filmed in some other thing like 35 years ago. And the guy who filmed him actually caught up with him again, like on Skype and interviewed him now, like 35 years later as a father and just like working a regular job and, and talking to him now. And he was a very regular guy. He was like, yeah, I still listen to that music. I still go to shows, but you know, I, I don't really play anymore. It's not, you know, part of my life. And um, yeah, it's interesting to see that type of thing. Like the, where are they now? Of, of that is, that is. And he's successful. I, whether he became a, he's still a successful person. Cause he's just, He's not like he's in the in the ditch, you know, or he has a heroin needle in his arm. Which again, that's what you we would we would think. Or me being a jock, I was I was a jock growing up, so I, I wasn't in that crowd. And we did have different crowds. I, I was friends with some of them, but it was always uh, where where's the where's the rockers? Oh, they're out by the tree smoking cigarettes. Oh shit, I don't want to be like that. And, and looking back at it now, just again, they they had the same drive as I did. That wanted you know I didn't want to be a rock and roll star. I wanted to be a uh, you know, growing up in high school, you know, I'm going to go to college, play f- football, be really good, and then hopefully make the pros. And and we, but we still had that. Both of us had that same drive, whether we were in Wait, different so uh, different areas. If I could ask really quick, yeah, yeah. you do have to get to yeah. Mike, but I don't think I've ever asked you, and I don't know if you've ever said it. Yeah. You say you're, you're the goal was to be a sports star, an athlete, football. Oh player. yeah. When did that change to Army Ranger? Senior, senior, co- senior in college, I just got tired of. It. You just get. I just was. Football wasn't fun anymore. I, I I had a I had a different head coach that came on my last senior year, and that's the for all you college guys that play football out there or any sports, any college athletes out there. That is the worst time uh, when you get a new coach is if you're a senior because really they're not looking at the seniors anymore. They're looking to build up because they're you know they're bringing in their their name. Unless you're you have a senior class that was that's going to win a national championship those coaches are bringing in to build up their people, their recruits that they want to bring in. So you're kind of like the redheaded stepchild as a senior. And, and honestly, I, I had gotten married to my first wife at that time. And I, I football, it, it was a terrible way too young to get married. It was an awful relationship where she was a sweet, she, she we we're friends now. She's a sweet, sweet woman. Um, very, very nice, very successful. Does has some awesome children, but we were way too young and it just, it, it just, Football was like, eh, because we were really good. And then my senior year, we just turned to shit. We were terrible. And it was like, and I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't fun. I, I did have a couple where not tryouts at their, but their scouts. I had scouts come and look at me from the Vikings and the Broncos. And, but it was, it wasn't fun. You know, and why would you, why do you want to do anything that's not fun? And then when I saw the Army recruiter <laughs> in the uh, student union that, you know, was close to graduation, I'm walking through the student union building, the center building, and there's recruiting your job. There's a job fair going on. And of course, at all college job fairs, there's always military recruiters <laughs> everywhere. And he showed me a video of an Army Ranger and jumping out of airplanes, blowing up shit. I'm like, oh, all right, that sounds cool. Let's go try that. So that was it. My senior year of, 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 uh, of college. And, and at that time, too, I let my athleticism kind of I take it for granted. So I wasn't working as hard as I was my freshman and sophomore year, which I think I was better then than I was my senior year. I wasn't good enough. I knew it. I knew my, and I, I, you know, and, and the, the, the scouts, you know, they, they told me, Hey, you need to get your 40 time back down to four five. You're running a four seven. We're not going to recruit a five, nine, 180 pound wide receiver that runs a four seven. You need to get down to four five. 
And I was like, man, I'm over. I'm done with this. So it was a good, yeah, it's just, you know, like anything else, you, 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 something that you grew up with is dream. And then you're like, eh, that's not my dream anymore. Yeah. It's understandable. And that always changes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of inspiration, Mike Schlitz is a super inspirational guy. So I'm excited to bring him on. Um, but before we do, this is a new sponsor on board with us and what they're doing is crucially important in an emergency. Your number one priority is food. Everyone should have at the very least a 72-hour supply of non-perishable food on hand. Now more than ever, it's essential to be prepared in case you cannot get to the grocery store. Four Patriots provides 72-hour survival food kits to give you a little extra cushion in these uncertain times. Right now, Four Patriots has a buy one, get one free deal on their 72-hour survival food kit. Their kit contains classic recipes that are nutritious taste great, are easy to prepare, and they're made and shipped right here in the USA. The 72-hour kit is designed to store up for 25 years. That's amazing. And uh, you can claim this limited time, buy one, get one offer at battlelinepodcast.com slash the number four patriots, battlelinepodcast.com slash four patriots. While there, check out their entire merchandise line, including solar power gear, water filtration, and outdoor and camping products. So if you're a survivalist or if you just want to be prepared in an emergency situation, I mean, you know more than anyone, I would say, that food is crucial and you don't want to be stuck without it. And it keeps it, you know, it keeps the stress off you. A killer of anyone, uh, anyone, any, don't care how good you are in the, in the wild or how good you are or how tough you are. You think you are not knowing causes so much stress and having that ability to know that you have sustenance, you have food, whether, you know, and, and, and that it's there, um, and readily available will limit the stress on you and your family. So yeah, I, I definitely would. And if they've got the shelf stable stuff, which is what, what it's shelf stable for 25 years, that is freaking amazing. So I would definitely check them out. I'm going to order some stuff from them as well. Um, I'm going to use my battle line code, get my little discount for, but guys, I, I honestly at least check them out. And, and um, yeah, I have some, you don't have to be a prepper to do this. That's just yes. smart. It's just very, very smart to have, um, and you, those in different areas, some of you are still, you know, there's still shortages of certain things. So just yeah, what happened in Texas, mind. what happened yeah, in Texas exactly. a few just, weeks ago and hurricane season's coming up being an insurance adjuster in the flood industry. Here we come into hurricane season. So, uh, and that's, that always comes every, every year and you got to watch out there down the Gulf coast and on the East coast. So guys having that peace of mind that you are prepared really takes a lot off your shoulders and it allows you to enjoy the time that you can instead of worrying with your family. And so I, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly Dominus Omens. If you see me, I'm blessing, I'm blessing <laughs> for, for, for Patriots right now. Cause that's a tremendous idea. I wish I would have thought of that. Ah, what am I thinking? Ian, we, we need to get our thinking caps on and think of this stuff, man. Well, that's why it's great that they're on board with us. So yeah, check them out. Battlelinepodcast.com slash four Patriots. That's battlelinepodcast.com slash the number four Patriots, if you're listening in the car and you can't, you know, click on links right now, that link is right in the description. So joining us for the first time on the podcast, honestly, long overdue, because when Chris and I launched a show, yeah. Mike Schlitz is one of the first guys that was like, uh-huh. we got to get on. And now we're 70 something shows in, but we're finally doing it. Army Ranger Mike Schlitz, combat veteran, 14 year military career, 
now working with various charities, including the Gary Sinise Foundation, Gallant Few, of which we're wearing a shirt of right now, and uh, the Darby Project, advocating for veterans. And both of us were just saying we haven't seen you in quite a few years. So um, the first thing I was wondering, actually, is, I mean, the past 10 or so years of your life have been doing a lot of what Chris does, going all over the world, all over the country, really giving speeches, advocating for vets, and that all got shut down this past year. So what have you been up to? Well, leading right before uh, Corona hit, I was working full time for the Gary Sinise Foundation. Um, and like you said, ten, the 10 plus years, uh, the traveling kind of caught up to me, um, less than 100 days at home a year. Uh, so I decided to take a step back, um, kind of focus on myself for a little bit. It's great to help others as long as you're not letting your own issues kind of yeah. fall to the wayside. Um, and it was just supposed to be a breather. Um, and then, you know, the virus hit. And so it was a little bit longer than I expected. And so now, um, not that we're in the clear, things are picking back up. I'm starting to kind of get back out there again. I just this past week was speaking with soldiers out in Hawaii with uh, the 25th Infantry Division. Um, in February, through the Darby Project and Gallant Few, we, we hosted Patriot Challenge. So things are coming back around. It is. It, it can take it take it does can take a toll on you as far as travel and not being home, spreading yourself way too thin. Um, I, I'm sure during those ten year, those ten years or so that you were traveling, it's hard to say no. It, you feel bad when you somebody asks you to do something, and and it's hard to say, well, no, I can't, even though because because they don't know. And that's the thing that that you know, watching guys like Mike or or, or watching. You know, even Rudy, and I'm not name dropping. You're just guys that, that did it before me that I had to. You know, I'm watching, learning from their examples, and and watching what they're doing, and watching guys like Rudy Ray is out there. Same thing, where it's just, you know, what I remember. So, well, it may have even been Carl that told me this. He goes, he goes, Chris, you, you really and need Carl, to. Carl Monger for the audience. Yeah, Carl Monger, who, who who tremendous, another tremendous ranger with gallant few, is a. You know, he, he really said you just got to take time for yourself. Well, these people don't know that. They think that they're the only ones that are asking you when you've been asked already 10 times today to do something. And he says, it's something you sometimes, he didn't say it this way, but this is how I took it. And he didn't, Carl, you didn't say it this way. So I'm going to say, this is my words, but I took it as sometimes you have to be the asshole, you know, and just say, I, I can't. And I, you know, I, 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 you know, with my family too, it really destroyed my family at that point. And I had to take a break. Like you did, I'd take a breather and just step away from everything, get my life back in order. And then, now 10 times better again. And so I, I think honestly, this was a, this was a great breather for both of us, a, a breather for everybody out there. This COVID thing. Now I, you're probably ripping and running to go. I said, you just went to Hawaii, which is not a bad place to start from. Well, yeah. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, was it, it, was it virtual it, or did you go? Uh, the, I was supposed to go, but the tickets got messed up. Uh, the people who handle the army's travel. Oh, uh, shocker. Shocker. They basically put a hold on the tickets, but come Friday, they didn't actually pay for them. So, uh, you know, I was supposed to fly out on Sunday. So Saturday night, I'm on the phone with them like they don't have, you know, yeah, the tickets didn't get paid for. So we're trying to work and they're like, well, we're going to have to rebook you. Um, but Hawaii is still one of those places that's very, very difficult to travel to. And you have to have a positive um, or a negative COVID test uh-huh. within 72 hours of your last flight. 
And so there was no way to do it. So I ended up having to do it virtual, uh, which was very, very difficult. It, it, um, isn't it virtual speeches? Cause there's no feedback. I've done two of those and it's so hard because you just, you don't know, you don't know if you're, if you can read people's faces. I know you're good at this, dude. You've been speaking for a lot of years. And when you're in person, you can just, you don't even need to hear anything. You can read faces, start to read and see, yeah, did that go across? Well, are they getting that with virtual? You have no idea. So uh, when is your first one in person? When you, or you, have you already had one since uh, since the the uh, the Hawaii Army travel snafu? <laughs> well, going back to the 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 Hawaii one, so we we did it over Teams, uh, and I you know I am good at reading you know people's faces. Are they bored? Are they interacted? But every time they would turn on their cameras, we had audio feedback issues. So I had to change to a black screen. So, you know, I did, you know, a 20 minute intro. Then I did a Q and A with their leadership and then it was open to the floor for the audience. So I don't know who I was talking to. <laughs> I mean, even the 20 minute intro, you know, you rehearse it, you've done it a million times, but doing it to a black screen was quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that goes in, in any, any mission is, is uh is av stuff is commo commo is the first thing that shits the bed in any army situation and it still holds true even oh. in 2021 <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know i've done some in person i i have done a couple trips where um you know i i helped an organization out of arkansas to start a equine horse therapy place awesome. uh went down and talked at the manton dinner in florida for black dagger um, so, I mean, again, things are starting to, to come back around where you can do things in person, but I think a lot of people are still playing it safe and, and doing more and more virtual. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was wondering, Mike is, you know, you're talking about for the past year, you haven't been on the road doing this stuff and, you know, we might get in, into your, you know, actual history. I mean, I know that the main thing you talk about is, you know, the injury that you sustained in a 20 and a 2007 IED attack in Iraq, as a combat veteran and, and just what you had to endure. But I'm wondering on some level, like this is so many years ago at this point, are you kind of tired of telling this story again and again? I would think at some point you're like, all right, enough, let me move on to other things in life. Because I mean, to me, as someone who knows you, there's much more to you than that. Well, I, I think it, it, there's a couple different perspectives to look at it. I mean, for mine, I mean, I've told it so many times um, that I'm comfortable with it. But sometimes people forget every time you tell your story, no matter, no matter how many times you've said it, you basically relive in that moment. So um, I've relived my moment thousands of times, um, you know, from, you know, losing my guys to being injured, uh, the hospital stuff. Um, it, it really doesn't bother me. The other perspective I always let people know is, you know, how often have we heard veterans say, you know, I don't want to talk to civilians. They'll never understand. Um, and I'm a big advocate that you have to, because how are, are you, how do you expect them to understand if you don't tell your story, yeah, whether yeah. it's injury or basic combat stuff? I'm not saying you have to get into the, the horrors of it all, but you do have to talk about it. It does. And, you know, with your taking it out there and speaking, is this where, and my mindset goes this way, I, when I'm talking, yes, it's, it's tough to relive that stuff over and over, but in the end, am I helping somebody out there? And I, I know you probably felt the same way, even more so, 
where people have come up after and said, thanks, thank you. Or you've helped me through my day or talking to civilians, which is even awesome. Where a civilian comes up and said, I was really at a low point. You really picked me up. And that keeps you going because, because you're right. It does take you, take you, take you, uh, it takes a year off your life every time you talk because yeah, you're, 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 you're destroying, you feel like you're destroying your soul. But in the end, if you find something positive out of it, which, which obviously you have. And my, I guess my question is, is do you remember what your most, your, your most uh, satisfying moment or maybe a moment where somebody came up to you and said, Hey, you help me. Can you, can you walk us through that? Cause I like to hear stories like that where you've done talking and you just spent, and then somebody came up to you and made it all worthwhile. Do you have a, have your moment or even a couple of moments you could talk about? In a lot of ways, I mean, it happens every time I go and go somewhere and I speak. There's always a handful, um, you know, that will come up to me afterwards and and really be passionate and sincere and and you know tell me maybe even a little bit about their life story. Yeah. And that makes it worth it. But there was actually um, shoot, I was thinking about it. It was like almost ten years ago, nine years ago. Um, I had done this push-up challenge. Uh, from uh, muscular dystrophy. And this photo had gone viral of me doing push-ups on my prosthetics. And, uh, you know, some of the speaking engagements are corporate. And I was taking a, a tour of this um, company out of Birmingham. And as we're going through the office, I see this this computer and it had that photo as the screensaver. That's awesome. So I just walked over to the desk. I was like, oh, that's a great photo. <laughs> he didn't turn around or anything. He's like, yeah, I, it just brings me motivation daily. And I'm like, yeah, I remember doing that. And then he turned around. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know? And I mean, it really tells you, like, how many people can you touch or how many people um, can find inspiration in things that you do that you're never going to know about? Yeah. And that that's, yeah, that's that, motivating. It does motivate. Motivates. I saw, I, I tell people as well, you guys motivate well, at the end of a talk. I'll say, you guys motivate me just as much as I motivate you. You keep me going because you're here listening to, to a story that, that maybe I've told over and over and over again, but you're still here listening to it. And, and that helps me. I, I, I well said, and as far as veterans go too, I think it's well said, you said, so you got to talk about it because you're going to help somebody, but in the end, you're also helping yourself. You're, you're, it's, it's cathartic in nature talking. If you can get out there in front of people. No, it's tremendous, brother. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no sense bottling it in. I mean, how many of us, um, you know, grew up that way that you didn't talk about your feelings, you didn't talk about injuries, you didn't, you know, do this or that. And we find out, you know, with the the mental health crisis, as I'll call it, um, and not just within veterans across the board and society, um, we now realize that we have to do these things. So, um, one of the things that when I was talking to the soldiers with the 25th Infantry Division this past week, I'm like, you know, it's amazing to see the climate change um, within the military. I said, you know, it's kind of all new and that you can go seek mental health and not necessarily have it impact your duty position or your career. I'm like, 10, 15 years from now, that's going to be the norm. You guys are the changing point for everything. Um, so, you know, in our own ways as, as veterans and the older guys, we still can lead the way on that too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and for the audience, you know, who, who isn't familiar with your story, 
Um, and for those who don't know from the IED, you lost both arms in combat, the majority of your body, you know, burned and, and you've gone through, I know, a ton of surgeries to be in the shape that you are now. You have a smart home, thanks to Gary Sinise Foundation, really right in particular, um, where you're able to just do your thing and, and live life as much as you can, which you are a guy who makes fitness and being active a major part of your life. But uh, I think to take us back to getting through those injuries and getting to the point where you are now, um, you know, we talk a lot about faith and motivation and, you know, yeah. inner strength. What was it for you that made you say, I'm going to carry on? Because I know I read that piece way back from Ranger Up where there was a point where you were like, I don't want to continue. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for a long time, I mean, every day I, I dreamt about killing myself and I'm very, very open about it. Um, I've still spoke about it. I've still talked to it about soldiers, um, you know, audiences across the board, because it doesn't matter uh, what group we're talking to first responders, veterans, teenagers, women, men, every genre or every graphic right now has a rise of suicide. Uh, what I always say is that, you know, one, you can't lose hope. And I was losing hope back then. I really didn't feel like I had a sense of purpose back then. Uh, you know, so giving back to our community has uh, really motivated me, giving me that new sense of purpose, you know, gets me out of bed every day. And, I, and that was a big part. The other part of coming out of that depression was getting the prosthetic arms, you know, going from having somebody have to do everything for you daily. I, you know, couldn't brush my teeth, couldn't go to the bathroom by myself, couldn't feed myself. Um, I just didn't want to live that way. And I remember. Going and, and by the way, if I could just jump in, it's like going from having the physical capabilities of an army ranger, which, you know, that's top of the line, in, you know, special operations yeah. to that. It, it's got to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to, you know, not asking for help, you know, not yeah. Very yeah. Seldom you ever asked for help. And now you have to ask help for everything. Uh, but as the prosthetics came along and, you know, was able to feed myself or start cooking or dress myself or, you know, give back to those little everyday average things, I mean, you know, pretty soon suicide went from, you know, an everyday thing to a couple times a week to a month, year. And I would love to say, like, I never have those thoughts anymore. But, you know, they creep up every now and again, whether it's through frustration or, um, you know, just everyday life things. Yeah. Um, but it's recognizing it, understanding it and figuring out how to fix it from there. I think very well said on, on, and I think whether you're in the military or not, um, fixing, if you're having issues with yourself, having that sense of purpose, that's perfect. That's the goal setting, having that goal. What, what do I want to obtain? And, and I think that's where people start to give up and you put it perfectly is, is that they just, they don't know why they're feeling that way. Well, they look at it. If you look at it, they, they're not thinking of what goals they want to reach down the line and whether they are crazy goals or attainable goals. I think they're in between having that sense of purpose and that goal. I, I, I think it's one and the same is what keeps people going. And that's very well said right there. Just how did I get out of it? I, I gave myself a goal, a sense of purpose to reach that goal. And this is how I did it. And now I'm continuing on and I still go through adversity, like you're saying, and you're still going, well, I still got to reach that goal. I still have that sense of purpose and yours just to help people go, man. And your story is awesome because <laughs> it's like, man, I, mean, I don't have an awful day. Oh, really? 
Yeah, look at me. Yeah, look at me, shithead. All right. I don't, you're not a shithead. Not, not the people out there. That's just to be like, like, as a ranger way of thinking, look at me, man. And I'm still got this sense of purpose and I'm can still drive on. You can do it too. That's amazing. But, um, I, I completely agree with you. But what I will say, just as a touching point with that, is that actually don't compare yourself to anybody. You know, how many times have I had somebody come up to me and say, oh, my back hurts. Oh, I can't talk to you about my back pain. <laughs> Yes, you absolutely can. You can. Um, I know what it's like. You know, your thumb hurts. Hey, you know, I had a hand once. I, I, you know, stubbed my thumb. I, I get it. Um, but comparing, comparing injuries or trauma or your mental health to somebody else um, is irrelevant. It's not what they're going through. It's what you're going through. So whatever life is thrown at you, it's relevant. And so sometimes, you know, some people don't ask for help, whether it's mental health or physical help, because they feel like somebody else deserves it more. Deserves than it. Um, that, no, keep, keep going. That's well said. Again, well said, man. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I, I know exactly where actually both of you are coming from on that, because, well, you know, when I had my own issues in life, you do start to think, well, this doesn't compare to this. I haven't gone through what you've gone through. But I think when you are at that low point and you feel whatever the reason is, when you feel I don't want to be here anymore, it doesn't really matter. Um, but stories like Mike, um, stories similar to Mike are actually what helped me pull through. Like I even remember I would wear the Michael Behenna wristband. I got to interview, you know, who was stuck in, um, you know, military prison for a, a, a crime that he felt that he was justified for. And, you know, you guys can look back on what happened to First Lieutenant Michael Behenna, who's now free. Um, but I remember just hearing stories like that was still motivation for me that like, Hey, I'm going through this right now. There's people going through other things that I can't even imagine. And, and that was motivation to push on no matter what. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's, it's perfectly said both, both ways. You guys, that's why you guys are smarter than me. That's why I'm just the ugly <laughs> face over here, but it, it is because that's with, with, thinking and not bringing it up. And that's what I'm taking from what you're saying, Mike, is that, is that if somebody is going through something and then you see somebody going through, you think something is worse. I, I, I don't know if I have an issue with that. It's that if you don't bring it up because you're like, Oh, I don't need to talk to anybody about it, which I completely agree with you on that. You have to, you have to say, don't Hey, just because he's going through something worse doesn't mean bottle it in, still come and talk to something, talk to somebody or talk to that person. Um, I know my issues with me getting through some some tough times is I would think of Vietnam veterans and think of the stuff they went through. Like, man, they went through that. I know I can get through it. And then I remember a couple of times talking to Vietnam veterans about it. And they would say the same thing that you just said to me. Say, hey, you're going through your shit right now, too. Don't look at us. But I'm like, yeah, I want to look at you guys because you guys are going through a hell of a lot more than what I'm going through. And I want to attain to that level. So. No, I, I think it's really, really well said what you're doing. And it also shows the different styles that me and Mike have. It's like Mike's nice and I'm not. I've done the exact same stuff as you, Chris, you know, uh, finding, you know, motivation and inspiration from the older generation, whether it's you know, our World War II or Vietnam. Um, it's great just talking to even um, veterans from other branches just yeah. to get that perspective. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I fully agree. You can find motivation and inspiration anywhere you look. It, it, yeah. It and you, you know what I'm wondering? I mean, Chris, Chris, you kind of went through it in both ways because of the fact that, you know, one thing you went through was obviously Benghazi 13 mm -hmm. hours, which people could understand and say, I can't imagine going through that. 
But then the other thing you went through was you were like, I'm tired of being in the media spotlight. And yeah. for people who don't know that world, they might go, what the hell are you complaining about? Oh, so, like, no, it's so great. It's so fantastic. But it's true, right? Yeah. And that that's where I do. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and it wasn't veterans I was learning from. It was those in the media that I'd have to watch. And, and I, I, it was my, I'll be honest, it was, it was, I don't really want to end up like that. I don't want to be like that. It's, it's, I'm not this, I wasn't bred for this type of stuff. And I don't know if you went through that same thing with, with the media, but then I, that's when I had to just shut it all down. And I told the media no more, I'm not doing anything else. I'm not your poster child. I'm not your, I'm not your right wing, po- your statue on this. I'm not, I'm done. Um, and I had to, because that's when I wanted to kill myself. And I, I talk about it quite freely. It wasn't during military or any operations or, or, or any, or even after Libya, I went back and started working in Yemen. It was my worst times of my life was when I was in the spotlight, when people would like, like Ian was saying, people were like, what the hell are you bitching about? You big wussy. <laughs> You're on TV all the time. You have 8 million followers on your Instagram page. <laughs> big deal. But that was awful for, for me. And, and, and having that's again, that's when I was looking and I would look back at you. I would look at, guys like Rudy. I would, I, I'm not buddies with Marcus, but I'd look at, Hey, look what he's going through. How are they dealing with it? And, and then I also looked at what is the, what's driving me the most crazy right now? Well, it's, it's the spotlight. It's the social media. It's the media. I need to start focusing back on what I was like when I was deploying. And that was family and family and faith. And and then just what's more important for me. So when you brought up in the beginning, full circle here, brought up in the beginning about you ha- taking that breather, you know, I had to take that breather because I put a Glock in my mouth in the shower. I had to, I looked like the crying game guy in the shower. I'm nude with the Glock, you know, I, and I don't have a problem saying that. But um, yeah, I, I, looking at, again, at you guys, and that's where I did say, man, come on, look at Mike. What the heck? I mean, are you kidding me? Look what he's getting through right now. And I still, you know, I no, I, I still can, still got everything. I got all my opinion and Mike is out there grinding it through it. And then I, Think of other guys that were in the media spotlight and I take your examples and like, how can I get through this? And, it's, and then I realized what the problem was. So, but I, I, I don't know. I went on a tangent there. This is your, actually, we are interviewing Mike Schlitz, not Chris Pirano. I promise you guys, we'll get back to, to Mike. No, I, I love that because uh, the fact that you shared that, because I mean, I don't like being in the spotlight, uh, but sometimes you have to put yourself in the spotlight in order to, to reach the people you want to reach. I think the difference is, is I've had awesome mentors. Um, obviously, we talked about Carl Munger earlier, but, you know, having somebody like Gary Sinise, who's been in the spotlight for, you know, 40 years, um, you know, having him pull me to the side and say, hey, look, you know, you you live this sem- somewhat celebrity lifestyle. They, there's going to be things that you, you're you going to have to say no. You're going to have to, you know, while you might be getting hired to do events, you know, right now, say for that rainy day when you're not getting hired, you know, and you know, how to deal with media, how to deal with the pressure. Um, so I, I think, you know, having those mentors or those people that have been there and been through it is, is huge for me, at least. That's me. I, I mean, I think part of it for you is, I mean, at least <clears throat> just watching you since I've known you, which it's crazy to think I've probably known you. I, I don't know when we did that, that run may have been like 10 years ago around. It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> but either way, <laughs> the media I've seen you do, for one, you don't really do a whole lot of mainstream media. And the only issue I've really heard you talk about is advocating for veterans. And it's like, who would be against that? 
Well, I mean, nobody that'd probably say it to your face, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well said. Well said, brother. Um, hey, hey uh, I, I wanted to ask you on this. And, you know, we, we talk about and I know, you know, just because your life has been in the spotlight since since the uh, since since the attack. But I want to know how Mike Schlitz grew up. I want to know because I don't know much about that. And did you? I can say without a doubt that the never quit attitude was not did not come from the military. It came from me growing up with a with an immigrant farmer, a guy who worked in the fields, and then he got his own farm um, from Mexico. And then my father, whose parents died when he was one, and lived in West Texas and grew up with nothing. So. Yeah, can you talk to me? Because this is my question. I always have my question out there. I don't care if the listeners want to know or not. I want to know. Um, you know, what was what was growing up like? How did and can you tell us tell a little bit? Go through. We still got time till you join the military. What was that like? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I say I had a good childhood, uh, but I also say I kind of was like a, a military brat without the discipline. Because my mother and father both worked like contract type jobs. So we moved around a lot. So it was new location, new friends all the time. Um, you just didn't have the necessarily the routine and the discipline that comes from being a military brat. Um, but sometimes, you know, with the, the moving around and stuff, having to make new friends uh, at the time kind of made me selfish. Uh, you know, a little bit on the immature side about what makes me happy. Um, so, like, I, I found less and less interest in school, and that was a big turning point for why I wanted to join the military is because I knew I wasn't ready for college. I knew I didn't want to work just what I call the the endless kind of factory job. Um, but, you know, I always had the support of my mother. I always had the support of my father, and I watched them work hard. So I think the work ethic and, and while one contract ends, the next one um, begin is great. But what that really provided me is, you know, living in so many locations and, and, and regions. And when you get in the military, we're all from somewhere else. So it allows you to adapt and understand and, and kind of connect with people from, from different areas a lot easier. Um, so I really give it more, maybe not the, the, the not quit attitude. I mean, I think that it goes more towards work ethic, but, my ability to adapt to surroundings and people wow. really comes from my childhood. And moving does that to you. Does that a lot when you're a kid trying to make new friends and, and get new areas every time you're moving around and then joining in the military. And once you join and people do know you, but I, I know we're going to get into it. And I want to know the, the little bit more. And I want you to go into, if you can, you know, and I know you, I know you can, but if you don't want to just say, Tano F you, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Can you if you go into the military time leading up and then when you were deployed as well and, and getting a little bit as much as you want to in the incident? I, I The reason being is, is, is I, I just I think it's important. And I, I think people not that they need to hear it on a romantic scale because people think combat so romantic and it's the romanticism of it because of movies, what they do to it. But they need people about the realism. But leading up to it, your private days. How were you as a private? Were you getting in trouble? How many Article 15s did you get beforehand? And don't worry, you're out now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, even your deployments and, and that deployment specifically, how things were going. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as a private, you know, again, <laughs> immature side. So I did plenty of push-ups. I'll say I did plenty of push-ups. <laughs> uh, I did, you know, they always say every – 
great future leader has an article 15. So I knocked that out as a private boundary drinking. Uh, oh, you didn't with, punch, you didn't punch your lieutenant. You didn't go big, man. It no, was, no, oh, no. damn it. I, I wasn't like some, some people you hear that, Oh, I would have joined the military, but I knocked out, I would knock out the drill sergeant. Yep, yeah, that. exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say it was pretty average, but again, army, dictates where you go so you know i went to fort lewis but it was only there like a year before i came on orders to go to korea then it was campbell and then back to korea um so i came in the army in 96 um and so by the time september 11th happened i had been in the army for five years yeah um but i was stationed in korea with the lures team at the time and you know that happened in september and then right about that time i had come on orders to go to fort benning georgia to be an ri a ranger instructor no way did you did you really yeah. oh you she i didn't know that man you're i hate you now i don't even like you anymore no i mean <laughs> you know think about you know every infantry infantryman's dream from the time you start training is to go to combat because yeah uh, yeah yeah one grew up on those movies and you know you train for it you know do i have what it takes so you know can i be tested this way and all of a sudden i went to a non-deployable unit yeah, and, yeah. you know what was typically a two or three year stent ended up being four years wow and all the instructors everybody who was stationed there was putting in you know 4187s to go to units that were deploying but you know, we also weren't getting any new instructors because everybody was deploying. Point, so we're yeah. kind of just stuck. Um, so, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, 2006, I'm finally ready to leave for Benning. And I just called Ranger Branch, you know, who does the assignments, was like, what's the next deploying unit? It happened to be 10th Mountain. I'm like, that's where I want to go. And so, you know, I reported to uh, Fort Drum, New York in March of 06, deployed in August of 06 um to um iraq we're right outside baghdad in the sunni triangle which the media kind of dubbed as the triangle of death yeah. um, but now we're at the height of the war you know that late 06 going to early 08 you know when we had you know what we call the surge and we we're making the big push across uh, iraq but it was iad city and you know everybody was getting blown up all the time you know so the first half of my deployment i was Strictly, you know, setting up battle positions, looking for cache, enemy caches. And then my sister platoon, who was attached to an engineer unit, uh, wasn't really getting that infantry experience. Sort of two platoons flip flop. They took over my sector. And I got attached to do the, the road clearing for finding the IEDs. And, you know, uh, again, like I said, it was the height of the war where everybody's getting yeah, blown yeah. up. And the mechanics couldn't turn our heavily armored vehicles around fast enough. So I had to make the command decision to substitute a Humvee into the patrol. And it just didn't have the armor that the other vehicles did. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're running patrols for, for about a week with it. And, you know, then 27 February 2007 happened where we're on a standard road clearing mission. And the vehicle was in the back with me because... Typically during that time frame, we didn't really see trail vehicles get hit. And, uh, you know, I can still to this day, like, remember going down this, you know, coming back up from this dead end road and hearing the boom. And, you know, what I always say is before I could even get a choice four letter word out, I was hitting the ground. And, you know, I knew I had been hit. I, I knew, you know, what we call an ambush, a surprise attack. But in training, you know, we always talk about getting that just that 
split second battle damage assessment, what's going on. And honestly, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, but what I didn't see was my guys. So instinct just kind of took over to run back for my guys. And as I neared my vehicle, I could feel the flames hit me in the face. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was on fire. And, you know, I felt like it was on my torso. So I dropped my body armor, you know, got down and started rolling. Uh, but what I didn't know at the time is they had used propane. Oh, um, shit. So every time I roll it, just <clears> reignite. <throat> and uh, before it wasn't long, my muscles just kind of locked up. And I was laying face down in the dirt, you know, burning alive. Um, pretty much in my head knew I was going to die in Iraq. And about the time I was thinking that, you know, I could hear my guys running for me. But, you know, honestly, like, you just feel there's nothing that they could do for you at that point. And they hit me with the fire extinguisher. And I, I tell everybody to this day, two things kind of came over. You know, the the fire extinguisher provided that physical release, of, like an ice blanket, just taking all of the pain away. And then the emotional side of saying, okay, I'm not going to die here in Iraq. My guys are here. They're going to take care of me. Now I have a fighting chance. Um, and that's really what it was. And I still have to give it to the guys on the ground. Um, everything that we had trained, all the battle, you know, these these drills we'd run in case something bad happened, they took care of business. You know, and, and honestly, I'm alive here today because of the people on the ground that were the initial people who took care of me. Um, and unfortunately, my my three crew members, uh, my medic, Sergeant Catavero, my driver, Sergeant Susanka, and my, my driver, uh, Corporal Henry, uh, didn't make it, unfortunately. they. Two passed away on impact, and one, unfortunately, uh, we know burned alive in the vehicle. Wow, dude, and that's that's yeah, that's every time I hear stories like that, and you're that's amazing. I what you what you did, and you're you're you had the conscious thought to remember all that. I, I really did. You're, you're going through all that, and you're still remembering and the training. I, what rank were you at that time? Uh, so at that time, I was a staff sergeant promotable. Staff sergeant from so you were you were acting platoon sergeant at the with the with the platoon at that time too so yeah your guys I mean it says a lot for your training and how well you trained your guys it really does just they they knew what to do um and and they they did it and they took care of um you know you got through all that and that is just story in itself of 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 and just and you're not really keeping you know. Hey, what's going to happen? You're just, your brain's still working. Your brain's still working and you're still have that conscious thought of what to do. And then just the feeling of release of, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to put it all together, brother. Cause that's an amazing story. Um, once yeah. you got done with, you know, when, unfortunately, I wish it was, wasn't as common, you know, story as we have too many veterans who lived through something very similar. So, um, you know, but uh, I will say is, you know, you said, you know, the conscious thought and yeah, I feel very blessed in that aspect that, you know, I mean, I landed on my head and shoulder when I was thrown from the vehicle and somehow I've been lucky enough not to have traumatic brain injuries. Brain injuries. Um, not that I'm, I don't, I'm not different than I was before I deployed, but, you know, I really don't have the post-traumatic um, stress that a lot of people have. Um, so I'm very blessed that I don't really struggle on the brain side. You know, with the physical injuries, I'm able to adapt and, and figure out new ways to do things. Uh, but, I, you know, I feel for the veterans who uh, have like a TBI or their brain is playing tricks on them. And there's not just that fix. This is the way I'm going to adapt it. Yeah, you, the, 
the the positive message that you have where you're still finding the silver linings and that's but that's life man it really is that's life is all about finding those silver linings and you continually do that and that's amazing and and you're right with the tbi i remember i i had a ranger buddy who had tbi and i actually helped him to events in new york city when new york city was still open and seeing him before and then seeing that tbi after especially with his wife it, it does it's 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 something that yeah, you can't really fix, especially if it's serious traumatic brain injury. It's really nothing to fix. And that's or or you just it's just a, a new lifestyle and new, new way of living. And so you saying that and still you're still finding silver linings. That keeps me going. That's that's freaking awesome. Man. Well, I think we all have to be advocates for the the people who you can't necessarily see their injuries day in and day out. And. You know, I, I can't count how many times I've heard veterans say, man, I wish I would have lost my legs or I wish I would have lost my arms or I wish I would have got a shot. I'm like, no, no, you don't like, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I feel for them because they don't have that badge of honor to carry around with them necessarily. Are, are you still in touch with the uh, with the guys who rescued you? Uh, a good bit of them. Yes. I mean, um, pretty much I'd probably say about 90% of the people we deployed with, you know, obviously it's easier with social media. Um, but you know, I, I'm lucky cause a few of them settled here at Fort Benning, um, when they got out of the military, some are stationed here. So for me, it's been really easy to kind of stay in touch with everybody. Man. Every time I hear a story, I'm like speechless. You know, like right now. And I'm never speechless, dude. As you can tell, I talk way <laughs> yeah. too much. And you see, I'm just trying cause I'm going through my head and, Really, I'm, I'm thinking of places in Iraq. I'm thinking of the dead ends, the countless dead ends that, that even I was part of where we didn't, you know, this didn't happen. And you're just thinking of, man, man, just it's that one time, just that one time where, you know, that 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 whether it was good or bad luck or whatever that it happened. And I mean, I can even see the dirt and I can see the, the just stuff in the road and I can see I can see you. I, not that I was there. I just can see you. And, and that conscious thought, though, I think people get that. They, they really do think that when stuff like that happens, if and you're senior, you're salty, you're an E6 promotable, you're a salty motherfucker right now, dude, that when you go through all that and you get to that point in your life that really you can still have conscious thought and think of what to do or go into your habitual movements, even when all that's going on. And I think that's what people need to get out, especially civilians and corporate people get out of what ta- you talking or t- looking at you or seeing your story is that. Hey, don't let that stress get to you. Look what I went through with my stress and, and you can still get through it. And you know, how big are you? I, I we, we've, I've gave, last time I saw you, I gave you the chin. I think it was at the shot show last time. Well, I didn't <laughs> yeah. say hi. I just saw it. I went like that. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're we, were at, we were at dinner with like Tim. That's King right. Some of the other people, I think it was what it was. I was, I think I came up to say <laughs> hi to Carl and I was, and I was like with my wife, like, I gotta go guys. I gave, I gave Mike the chin, but you know, you're the same, you know, you're, we're about the same. So five, five, nine, one sixty, one sixty five, roughly. Was that what you were at when you were working? When you were, uh, when you were five, six, one sixty five, five sixty. So, uh, you know, we're not monsters. It's that mindset. It's that man. You had that freaking mindset that, and you still have that mindset of, Hey, we can get through this, man. And that's, that's amazing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I definitely say I have the Napoleon complex. <laughs> my, mouth was big, my mouth was always bigger than my rank. You know, um, I really didn't realize I was the little chihuahua in every fight, you know. And, that was my next question. It was going to be, is that you're five, six. I thought you're bigger and taller than that. Yeah. How, how was it, man? Is you just always sniping off at people? I, I can't even imagine 
having you as a platoon sergeant at five, six, dude, I had been like that son of a bitch. He's always on my ass about everything about what I'm doing. But yeah. The- oh, my guys. Uh, I would say like, I actually talk about like the early days of being an NCO and just the difference of, you know, leadership as, as you mature and you get older and you get more, more time under the belt. But like, I consider myself a toxic leader as a corporal and a young sergeant. So I, I still stay in touch with some of the guys who served under me as that junior leader and, and more so as I uh, was a platoon sergeant. And it's night and day difference on what they think. They're, you know, now you hear stories like, oh, I remember the time you pulled me to the side and you taught me this. Or, you know, it wasn't, oh, I remember when you smoked me for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're spot on because I, I even found myself – not even unbeknownst to me, not planning on it as I got older and, and in the different leadership positions as I got older, I just stopped yelling. And it wasn't because I wanted to, it just stopped happening. And, you didn't and, to. Yeah, you didn't. Where, but that's what you know as a junior because that's what happened to you when you were a private by the juniors. <laughs> it's just the same thing. And I think there is a good portion that you do need that at points when you're a junior officer or a junior, not junior officer, but a junior NCO or a, le- a team leader in that position to learn. Because then you learn, well, yeah, this it, you need to have it a little bit. It's a rite of passage, more or less. Especially if you're a younger guy, they got to have it. I went through it; they got to go through it. But you're, you're, dude, nail on the head. As you get older, you're like, man, I, I can get guys to do things because I know who they are, and by by positive reinforcement. But you know, there's always that negative reinforcement there. If I need to yell, I will, but I don't really need to. And I can do it this way and I'm getting more out of my guys. And, and honestly, I feel better about myself and I don't have a headache at the end of the day from, from you're right, dropping the four letter expletives every other word. So ah, that's well said. And I think it's almost like being a parent, you know, like yeah. you're almost afraid of what your parents are going to do to you if you mess up versus what they're actually doing to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've heard uh, Jack Murphy say that before. I think he said it on the episode with him, the, the first one he did with both of us, that that he saw a lot of Rangers quit during the time where it wasn't so stressful. It was just uh, what's going to happen next. It's always – it's the, the mind games is what gets people to quit, and I've said that multiple times as well. I know you've seen it as well. It's not what's happening. You can always take the pain. You can embrace the suck and get through it. It's when you don't know. And you don't know what's coming next. And that's, that's honestly, that's a lot of where, where guys are going through, where they go through the Q course or they go through any of the higher level stuff. Even with the agency stuff, it was what we didn't know what was coming next. And that drove guys battier more than just finally getting into it and going, man, this ain't really that bad. You put so much stress on yourself, but that's what you see in combat though, too. And I know you probably saw it yourself going through combat and then going through the incident is, is that by that time you're senior, anything can happen. You know it. You're going to be ready for it. There's no sense worrying about it. All right. And then shit happened and you had that conscious thought to just to, okay, this is, I know what's going on around me right now. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm way off, but. I don't know about you, but for me, like I am one of those like overthinkers. <laughs> and, oh man. I, I, I think we build it up so much um, with the different scenarios and the way we build it up in our head that when it actually happens, it's like, Oh, it's not that bad. After it's not- <laughs> <laughs> the way it's it's, in my head so much worse <laughs> it is that you, you it, the what the what ifs where you can what if stuff to death and then finally just got okay and then when you're right when it does happen though it's not as bad as what you you can always make it worse in your mind it's not as bad as what you thought of it was now granted being being on fire to me would still be i don't know how i could still 
over the top what if that your what ifs must have been crazy because that that's that's to me that's wow man that's just um, but you still had the thought I, yeah I, I'm, I, I know I'm going in circles everybody listening out there it's just still amazing to me because I have never experienced anything like that and very few people outside maybe firefighters or there's veterans like yourself that have but even then the, the group gets smaller you get people that have been in attacks so you get people in Iraq the people have been into attacks and people have been shot at and people that have been shot and people that have been blown up then people that have been blown up shot at and as caught on fire. I mean, that circle is so small that, that it's just still amazing that to hear that story from my end, cause like, man, and he still, he still knew what the hell was going on. The, the, the mind is so powerful. It's you know, amazing. something I'll share with you is post entry. Um, I think it was 2008. I went to New York city, uh, to the world burn conference. And, you know, I was hoping to go there to get answers and, and, you know, everybody from the firefighting community, veterans, civilians, it's the gamut of, of the burn world. And I remember there was this 50 year about, she was about 50. Um, and she was yelling and screaming and angry. And I'm like, you know, I'm only a year past my injury. I'm out doing things like, you know, I don't want to be this this person when I'm 50 to be that way. And so I just asked him, like, you said you got injured when you were four and you're 50 now. Like, why are you still so angry? And she's like, you know, um, you were injured in combat, right? I'm like, I was. And she goes, okay, so you have that bat of honor, you know, that badge of honor that comes with being injured in combat. I didn't have that. I was burned in a house fire. Um, she goes, I was also the only one in my town that looked like me. So you know, in the military, you have your, your community to lean towards. And it's true. You know, if I look to my right in the hospital, it was a burn person. If I look to my left, I had an amputee. Um, and so that support and, and things like that. And then, you know, not taken into consideration that, you know, she grew up that way as a, as a teenager and being a female and, you know, the dating life, I'm like, wow. Okay. Maybe, you know, granted, I don't want to be 50 and still make, mad and angry but it really gave me a little bit of perspective of sure. you know the support that we have being veterans um it's amazing. that the, the average person doesn't have that kind of camaraderie and support to lean on man that's that's well said so well well that's great insight but your perspectives are everything yeah that that puts things in perspective in my eyes as well but also just also says be nice to everybody and just give them a smile even during the day um, which I, I try to do. all need more of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I got a good smile too. I'm always out there smiling. Yeah. Look at that. It's a big cheese eating grin I got right here. All three of us smile. Right now. <laughs> you know what I wanted to ask you about is uh, it's interesting how, how you were saying that both of you are around the same height, because at least uh, on the outside, there's like two different types of army Rangers that I meet um, outside the guys who don't work out anymore. There are the big guys, right? Who are on steroids, a lot of them, and, it is, you know, it lifting is. super heavy weight. And then uh, both of you have a pretty similar workout regimen from what I've seen. It's like a lot of push-ups, a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of running, um, which I know is, you know, really instrumental for you, Mike. You know, you've been involved in so many different runs. Like, what is Mike Schlitz's workout regimen? Yeah, let's see. Let's hear it. Oh, well, uh, it's real simple. And to make for, I know I got to explain it for the people who aren't on camera. I'm up typically every day about 4.30 and, you know, I have my cup of coffee, check the, the quick emails, and then I'm in the gym. And I'm actually lucky enough to have the gym right in my house. Yeah, see, didn't I, awesome gym. When you have a gym in your house, makes it so easy. 
Ah, look at that. I literally have everything right at my fingertips, per se, even though I don't have hands. (laughs) Um, To be able to just go upstairs, knock out my routine, uh, you know, hour, hour and a half, do some cardio, some weightlifting, maybe some body work with the uh, TRX bands. And and it's just, if I don't have it, my day does not go well. Um, so I agree. I agree, man, that you have to have that physical activity and those it's, it's a lifestyle for you. Of course, you've been doing it for years. It's part of your lifestyle, which is what physical activities people should all make. It should be part of your, your lifestyle that if you miss that day, you feel like you've missed something and the day just doesn't go as well. And you're well, I have a nice gym at my house. It, it's, you know, it's, it's the dungeon, but I have nice equipment. It makes it so easy to get that workout in because I have no excuse. And it does. I can walk down there at any time that I want and endurance running and I don't know if running and endurance with your, but that helps my head. That gives me my, my therapy. It's, I am, I'm, I'm a, I'm a spiritual runner. I run and I think, and I remember my faith, I remember things that go on in my life and, I just run it out and I, it's all in the heads and it all goes clear because the endorphins make it positive. So they're positive thoughts while I'm running or working out. So I don't know if it's the same way with you, but I, I'm assuming it's probably a little bit similar and that's why you work out all the time. And, and, and well, look, I, I was like, you, you know, pre-injury I was, I mean, if I need to clear my head, go out do a 10, 13 mile run and just sweat it out. And, and by the time I was done, it was worked out in my head and, you know, move on to the next task. Running isn't quite so easy on the body anymore. So now it's the elliptical and I'll still jump on the elliptical for an hour. And, you know, whether I have some music in the background or whatever, I just, I get lost in it and the hour flies by and I'm like, Oh man, I've been doing this for an hour. But for the audience, I know that you still can, you know, run because I've seen you, you run. It's just not, it might not be on the same level that you were before, but you're still able to get out there. Um, I, I just try not to do more than three miles. If I'm doing over three, four miles, um, then I'm probably going to have a hard time walking the next day. And, and we get, you know, aside from the injuries too, we, we're getting older, brother. Sorry, we ain't getting any younger. The, the joints, we, we beat the shit out of our bodies. And it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't injure or not. We're just getting older. I, you know, I, I don't I, remember those days. You said 10, 13 miles. I'm like, yeah, I remember those days where I could just go run 13 miles. I'm like, there's no, it's, it's, it's actually a little, and I, it's, it's hard on the joints and things. That's just age, brother. But still having a way to do it with the elliptical machine. That's a tremendous. Yeah. There's always a way. Well, the difference back then was it was usually on Monday where you had to sweat everything out for your weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now we, we just try and you know to stay healthy enough not to die <laughs> oh i remember those days i could run drunk i could run five miles drunk like uh, six and a half minute miles man and i was i was a great drunk runner i don't know how i did it dude, but i could do it don't do that guys feel it nobody yeah. ever felt it you just, I don't condone drinking and running or drinking and driving or drinking and doing everything except sitting there and watching TV. So I do remember one time in the military, um, I was tasked out to like a school or something. I had come back and the whole unit had taken a PT test. And so it was like the makeup day. So they're like, oh, you know, Monday you're going to have a PT test. I'm like, cool. And I totally forgot about it over the weekend. I don't know why, maybe because I was drinking. <laughs> I, I I remember literally closing the bar down, um, going home and getting like two hours of sleep, and then showing up in the midnight. Oh yeah, PT test day, and I'm like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and luckily, I had some rank. I wasn't a private at that time. Definitely not leaving my example, but I can remember, you know, 
doing my push-ups and going back to the end of the line and, you know, making myself sick before I get to my sit-ups and then making myself sick before the run and then coming across the finish line and basically hacking on the side of the road. Uh, you know, but I'm like, that's not really the way you want to, you know, go into any physical kind of assessment, you know? But that's what we, we could do that. That was what made the days that's what made the army fun. It did. It made it for those awful times. And then you just come back to the team room or squad room and you're dehydrated and you, everybody's just, and you feel, you feel like you're a hundred and million. I mean, literally you feel just like your body's about ready to burst and just trying to pound water and just feeling, but you feel that sense of accomplishment, even though it's a demented sense of accomplishment, <laughs> like, man, I accomplished something. I can't believe I did this and I'm still drunk doing that. And I can't believe I still believe to this day, you know, one of the reasons why they, they send every veteran to combat lifesaver isn't, you know, or, you know, first responder type course isn't for those things. It's just so we know how to give each other IVs. Just so we know how to give our IVs on Monday. <laughs> yeah, spot on for you guys. Any of you going out there and going to the military, you will learn how to give yourself an IV on Monday after wow. you get home from drinking. That's combat lifesaver. Oh, that's hilarious. Hey, I, I, what, one, I know we're getting late here and Mike, I one thing, uh, and I, we, we always, you know, I, we get into faith a bit here was your faith in, and we're going to end up here. I know you may have one more question. Mine is just end it and not on a Debbie down or anything, but if a way to, I just, your faith, how was your faith tested, you know, and, and do you still have it or is it just, or are you just living, you know, Hey, or do you think we're just living on a whim out there? I have faith. I, I always, I, I, it was tested initially for a little while. But I've I found it again. My life's turned around because of it. But can you give any, um, any talk? Because we do have some Christian listeners out there, man. No, I don't think it was tested in the point where I was ever angry or or questioned the existence of God or or anything like that. I didn't have like you know the sometimes like you know how dare he take my guys? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> for me personally, uh, I, I I'm a true believer that there is God. Everything happens for a reason. It's his his plan, his guidance for you. You walk his path. Um, and, you know, in the hospital, I got the chance to go to services. You know, they wheel me down in the wheelchair just so I could go. Um, I think faith is tested uh, as an individual basis quite often, but never in the, the aspect of questioning whether or not there is God or not. That's, dude, I, I, I can't say any better than that. That's that's amazing. No, that's well, very well said. Faith is faith there, and each of us goes through our trials and tribulation. And it goes again back to full circle. Don't compare yourself to to what others have gone through. If it helps you, motivate you, then. But we all go through our own trials and tribulations, no matter how awful they are, and that's the path that we're supposed to be on. I always say that too in our speeches. I always accepted the fact that I was in whatever situation I was in or whatever was happening because that's what I was supposed to be in. So no matter how bad or awful it was or great it was, I was able to enjoy that situation and take it all in because I'm here. Hey, I'm stuck in traffic. Well, this is where I'm supposed to be. All right. Well, hey, look at that cool orange car right there. Look at that dude singing to Cindy Lauper right over there. That's awesome. Hey, this is it. So yeah, well said, brother. Well said. And, and, and again, you know, just going back to it just briefly is, you know, they always say God doesn't ever give you more than you can handle. So yeah. you know, yeah. um, maybe he thought I could handle it and bring that you know, motivation and inspiration to others. Well, if that would have happened to a friend of mine, maybe he wasn't, you yeah. know? So again, I just, I, I really feel everything happens for a reason. 
Yeah, you're you're a strong motherfucker, dude. And I, I always got respect to you, even though we don't always chat when we see each other passing, because I know you're busy and I'm busy. But when I give you the chin, you know, hey, dude, what's up? Yeah, that's that's just as good as me coming and give you a high five. So uh, no, you're doing amazing things, and and you're and Carl, of course, as well. You and Carl are top top guys, man. Yeah, awesome. Ian, I what you got? To, I still get out to corn country once in a while. So I'll have to get one of these times out there. <laughs> wait, are you still in Fort? Wait, wait, did you say you were still in Columbus? Are you? Yeah, still- I, I live just on the north side. I said, oh, shit. Yeah. But yeah no, I have I- a brother who lives up in uh, Nebraska. So okay. um, I get up that way once in a blue moon still. I'll get down to Fort Benning here. I, I, I'm i due to get back home every once in a while. So I still, I still feel like that's home. Yeah. Rendezvous on this year, July rendezvous. Oh, oh shit! If they were all wearing masks, though, I'm not going. Nope, ain't happening. I don't Ranger know. Because, um, I'm waiting to see because in two weeks is the best ranger competition, and I thought they had canceled it. And I just found out that they're having it this year. The competitors are in route, and they're going to do best ranger. So I'm curious That's to see how that goes. Awesome. Well, you know what? If they were balaclavas, I mean, we've been wearing balaclavas before. Wearing masks was cool. So I mean, it would be normal. Just throw the balaclava on, look like you're going on assault, and we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> the mask is covered. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, Fort Benning has really. I mean, like every military post has had a lot of the the stringent policies and quarantine for everybody. So I'm curious to see how it goes this year, and I'm sure there's going to be some lessons learned that's going to play into part when Rabbi comes around. Sure. Well, yeah, you guys got to link up. Um, I mean, this would be a good way to end it, but I'm still curious about one thing, just out of my own curiosity, as like a you know workout guy. Um, do you ever go to a regular gym? Cause I know for me, when gyms were shut down, like I worked out at home, but, it's, and I don't have the equipment you do, but it's still just never the same. And, and I could say for me, there's been so many gyms I've gone to where I've met guys who are amputees or who have physical injuries. And I don't know if they're veterans. I mean, I don't get to know all of them, but there was a guy who was like a competitive bodybuilder at one of the gyms I went to who lost, actually did hear lost his leg in a car accident. Um, and was like left to die on the side of the road. Um, there's been other guys who I've seen who have uh, limbs lost when I go to UFC gym. There's one guy who I would talk to in the sauna and he would never uh, respond to me. And at first I was like, what's up with this dude? But then he started typing to me on his phone and I, and I actually realized he had a, um, some scar over here and I, you know, on his throat. And I realized, all right, he must've gone through some type of throat injury that he can't speak. But to me, it's actually always motivating to see guys like that, like really going hard and I just like being around other people while I'm working out. So do you ever get out of there and go to an actual gym or not your thing? Uh, I mean, the only time I really went to gym gyms is if I was on the road traveling. You know, I, I'd go to, you know, because the hotel gyms, let's be honest, just don't quite cut it. Um, so I, I would get a membership, you know, and and go to a gym gym. And But I'm still, you know, I'm not a talker in the gym. You know, I, I put my headphones on. I stay to myself. Um so if I'm not traveling, the only time I go to a regular gym is um, if there's an event. So like the final event for the Patriot Challenge for uh, Gown Few, which is the whole month of February trying to put on miles, we did at the local CrossFit gym. So, you know, I went down there and I did some of the workouts with everybody for that final day, um, which was great. And I enjoyed it, but it's not something I want to do every day. Well, I know like Leo Jenkins uh, could kick my ass, but I'm, I'm still going to say I'm not like a big fan of the CrossFit. It's uh, not my thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not big. I, I like some of the CrossFitter stuff too, but I still think Kippen, that's when we used to cheat on our pull-ups. I said, so I don't care what you CrossFitters say. 
Kipping was when we used to cheat on pull-ups, and I know that's what it was. You just couldn't do full pull-ups and do 50 of them, so you had to, had to start kipping. But I did some of the other CrossFit stuff, too. I'm not a big CrossFit. Well, I think, you know, CrossFit really didn't get popular until after I was already injured, and then it became this huge yeah. uh, phenomenon you know, or everything. But, you know, the, the good thing is, I mean – I look at it for some of the different modifications and ways to be able to do some different exercises. But luckily with all this jerking and throwing stuff around, like, I don't have to do that with my prosthetics. I'm like, that's why you're not doing CrossFit. <laughs> I, yeah, I always just think a lot of it looks like injuries waiting to happen. Even with, even with my personal training background, like if someone does a deadlift or a squat and they're just getting started, I want to go. I'm probably like you with your shooting, Chris. Like I want to go through things really slowly. I want to make sure you're not going to get injured. I want to make sure you're doing everything right yeah. and that it's not a race. It, do it as slow as, as possible as long as we get the form right. But then you see a lot of these CrossFitters, not Leo Jenkins, you know, other people <laughs> that you can tell they are not doing the form right. And they're going to get a back injury. They're going to get a shoulder injury. It just looks like an injury. And even those kipping pushups, as you say, it looks like a lot of like rotator cuff and, and oh, elbow dude. stuff. It just doesn't look it, it doesn't that's, look good to me. That's lower back. Well, I don't yeah. know anybody who's been doing CrossFit for more than five years who hasn't had a major injury. Um, so we'll see. I you know. Uh, we'll see when, when these people are 50, how, how they're walking around, I guess. <laughs> so as, as you can take from us here, the workout Kings here on Battleline podcast, <laughs> good form form is more important than the, than the doing it quickly and breaking your back off and destroying your discs. Always good form. Yeah. But I mean, even going back to the military, you know, with pushups, you know, some guys think they could do 200 push-ups. When they yeah. did the, yeah, the alligator arm push-ups, yeah. <laughs> and they'd walk around like this because their joints were about this, you know, their joints and their tendons were about that long because they've been doing this certain push-ups. Like, yeah, I know who can't do four-hour push-ups anymore. But form is important. Form gets you through. Form keeps your body stretched, stretched out. And, and at 50 right now, I'm 50, and I'm, I'm stretching. Getting back into stretching is what stopped my injuries. And good good form, dude. Good form, guy. Don't do any of those crazy, crazy workouts, snatching jerks where it's not good form. So now I'm a great, I'm in complete agreement. I, I love picking on CrossFitters just because of the fat portion, but I'm like, if that's what's getting you active and keeping you motivated, then I'm like, by all means, go throw some weights around. Like, well, yeah. as long as you're working, <laughs> I agree. Out, and and yeah, because if I'm sure I'm going to get some messages of some people thinking I'm hating it, and no, I'm not, you know, I I do agree, form is important, but if it's what you enjoy, that is what's most important. If what's what gets you up in the morning. But yes, yeah. I agree with Tonto on the stretching stuff. I didn't do it last night, but usually every Thursday I'll do a yoga class. I, and and like I said, I do like being around people, man. And also, not going to lie, there's usually some really hot chicks at the gym. I mean, like you're, you're a single guy, right, Mike? Like I enjoy that aspect too. Well, I got to say, and as you're looking at this all wrong, it all goes back to perspective. You might be like, being around all these people but who says they want to be around you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave that one alone i ain't touching that <laughs> i guess every every gym does need a creeper so kudos <laughs> for you <laughs> there's your call sign we got it man we've been waiting our year to get creeper? a call sign creeper there it is creeper. we found my michael slitz gave ian his call sign for life that's where well, you always creeper. say like creeper. if you like 
like it, it's not like a good call sign. I was gonna be like, I'm not really feeling it. Yeah, if you hate it, that's what that's the call sign that works for you right there. If you can't stand it, but you you it. like Tonto. So. I grew to like it. I uh, it was. I mean, come on, like it's like really, guys. I'm yeah, I'm Native American part, just a little bit in there in Peronto. Can you come with more something better than that? But now yeah, I have. No, I love that, it. No, now of course your last name isn't a beer. So I'll, I'll mean, I'll, there you go. Yeah. Slits here. Oh man. You can, and you can go so many different routes with slits. Yeah. Which, so what was, what was your call sign? Uh, when I was injured. <laughs> Either way. Yes, or, when you're yeah, injured. I wanna, what was it? I mean, everybody calls me Schlitzy, but I mean, back then it was immortal seven. So. I like Schlitzy better. Mortal Seven's too cool. Stop it. Nope. I'm not calling you the cool one. I'm going to Schlitzy. We're keeping it. We're keeping it. We're keeping it real. I remember right. you saying that too, that you you're like, you don't like Nick the Reaper Irving because it sounds too bad. Well, I, I like Reaper. Come on, Nick. No, I'm calling you Hobbit. That's what you are. You're Frodo. <laughs> Frodo Baggins. Because you're so short. But, but no, <laughs> no, dude, you, you, if you're giving your you your own nickname that's even worse i know that, that, that's you can't do that that's the that's the that's a taboo you do not give yourself your own call sign your own nickname and i, Hi, my I love I, you can call me sarah well okay. <laughs> <laughs> no and a nick guy and nick is awesome dude nick's a great guy tremendous ranger and he's a great father just but i just can't get over the reaper you can't i can't do that man no it's just not gonna happen i'm not calling him the reaper ever he's nick even though i uh, i mean from what i heard the background at least from him was that it was originally the ripper because from his huge from his huge flange or his huge flange <laughs> no it's apparently like ripping a girl open <laughs> okay no we're not calling him that either that's still trying to be too cool sorry sorry nick <laughs> it ain't happening well, I, oh. I guess I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, me neither. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Just call me shrinkage. Shrinkage. All right. I'll just, just call me that. This, this was so much fun. <laughs> Mike Viagra Schlitzy. I like it. That's it. It works good. Oh, sorry, Ian. I'm sorry. I, I know. No, I no. I was just gonna say. That, I mean, wrapping things up. This this was great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, you could follow Mike on Instagram at Michael Schlitz. I know you're on Twitter too, but you're not really active on there. I, I was looking, so you're more active on Instagram at Michael Schlitz. And then also, of course, go check out the Gary Sinise Foundation, Gallant Few, the Darby Project. Any anywhere else that you want people to uh, give a look that you're really advocating for? You know what I always say is, I mean, all these all these nonprofits are really great. They're all the ones that, in my opinion, are doing great work. But also look at your communities. Find out who's helping veterans in your local communities. Because uh, sometimes the national support is slow to get get out to everybody. So you know, go down to your National Guard unit, go down to the Reserve unit, go to the you know the American Legion VFW. Find out who's helping those veterans and help support those ones for your community. Well, well said, brother. Well said. No, I I completely agree with you. It's that's we help people in Omaha that didn't even know I had a foundation. Now they found out and I can actually hand carry checks directly to wherever they need to go to local. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, well said and brother tremendous job again. Uh, your, your courage is still amazing. And I said, I'm usually not this tongue tied when I, but whenever I know your story, cause it does, it reminds me, I, I mean, just, it takes me back to being in Iraq, not the situation because I've never been anything like you have as far as being on fire. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's wow. The ultimate, but just, 
just remembering roads and thinking when you're talking about the dirt roads and the dead ends that, oh my God, the dead ends that, you know, as soon as you hit a dead end, you're like, especially if it wasn't supposed to be there. It's like, oh shit, we went the wrong way. Okay. It's back up slowly. It's like walking up on a rattlesnake. Like, oh crap. All right. Well, but it, it, it's just amazing your, your courage and, and you're continuing to inspire people and said so you inspire me and, and you were a mentor and you still are a mentor that I look up to because you were doing this before, way before I, I got into it. And I had to have some role models to look up to. And it's like yourself and you're one of you was one of them. And how is he getting through it? What's he doing? How do I do it? So I can still have longevity doing it um, and, and speaking and trying to motivate and well, Mike's out there doing it. What can I do? And so I, I appreciate that. You, you've, you've led the way with me as well, man. So God bless you, brother. I appreciate it. And of course, always love chatting with both of you. And whether I get to, to Nebraska or New York, one way or the other, we're all, we're all get together and have a drink at some point. And again, man, honored to be on the show. Good job. I'll give you the chin. If you're at NRA this year, I'll, I'll do the chin, man. Give me a chin. You, back. you better at least be talking to the guy. <laughs> Take care, brother. Yeah, this is right. great. Tremendous with Mike. I, I love talking to Mike. And I, and again, he, it's one of those, he is in the beginning, I didn't know who I had no mentor. I didn't have a Gary Sinise or somebody to help me get through this. And it was, it was just looking at other veterans like Mike and okay, what are they doing? How do I, how do I navigate this? Cause you get put in front of, you know, I, I get put in front of, I had people that weren't veterans that were, that were saying they were there to help me, which essentially they really weren't. They were there to help themselves. So um, <clears throat> it would have been nice to have, have a mentor, a good mentor, somebody that actually had my back. So, but that was how I tried to figure out and navigate that damn public figure world was guys like Mike. So, uh, and, and his story is amazing. And man, just, I, I still am amazed even to this day to hear when guys go through stuff like that. Um, you know, I was fine. I wasn't burned. Nobody shot me. I was getting shot at, but, but to still have being on fire and just to, have still have that conscious thought. But then also I love this, the faith stuff. Cause you and I preach that too. I, I know I do. And I know you the same way. This is our life. We're all on a path. This is and how we choose to take those paths or paths laid up front of us. But that's where we're supposed to be at shitty or not. That's where we're supposed to be at. How do we navigate and keep grinding forward to continue to better ourselves and to help other people. And I am in agreement with him on the same adage. God only gives you so much you can handle and maybe he's lo- loading up all that crap on you right now is because if he would have put it on somebody else, they wouldn't be able to handle it and they would have killed themselves or blow- blown their brains out. And I, I, I believe that as well. I'm a complete, complete believer of, of that being that I, I'll take on the shit. Give it to me. I can handle it, Lord. Give it, give me the crap. So that person doesn't have to handle the crap. And uh, I know I was well, I well said, yeah, on the faith part, the way he ended that, cause that's, that's a, uh, I'm a really big believer in that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just know if we look back on my own life, it, it are those it it is those times that challenge your faith that really grow you as an individual. Yeah. As long as you learn something from them, and yeah. I, you know, I should say, you know, try not to repeat the, the same things that yeah. you know toxic traits <laughs> that you may have had. But but for me, I mean, I've repeated many things that have been like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So so sometimes, yeah, you go through things again and again until yeah. you kind of grow as an individual and just become a better individual. And, uh, and that's, and I think it's just, uh, 
everybody has their own um, path in that. It's a very individual thing, I, I think. I mean, because some people grow up with faith, some get into it later on in life, and everybody has has their own spin on faith, even if they're of the same religion. I mean, yeah. I, I would say, you know, you talk to one Christian and their beliefs may be very different from another person who's Christian. And it's not necessarily that one is right and, and one is wrong. Um, it's just what works for that person. Yeah. So yeah. To, you know, um, because a lot of people, for example, like when I hear Joel Osteen, a lot of his speeches got me through things in my own life. And then there are people who will go, oh, but he doesn't he doesn't talk in depth about the Bible enough. He doesn't talk about sin enough. He's always positive about everything. But like that's what works for him. And it's yeah. what got it's it's gotten other people through things. So it's like, how could you fault that? Um, I, I, I just think everybody has their own different things that they go through that challenged them and that makes them grow in faith. And what he went through, I mean, I can't even imagine. And I know, as you said, you, even with yeah. what you went through, you can't really imagine because yeah, you have to wake up every day with what you went through. Every time you look in the mirror, you have to relive that every single time yeah. physically. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right with Mike and how he did things and, and the speeches he's spot on. I, I've told people that before and I think they, they understand it, but going up and talking about an incident, and it's different. I know he does his unscripted. So do I. So the, the talk always changes a little bit um, or change. Actually, my talks have changed quite a bit since I started talking again. It is a lot more faith. And 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 I flash back to a lot of other things now that I went through prior to Benghazi where in the past was just Benghazi. But still, every time you come off that stage, you, it, it takes a little bit out of you. And he hearing him say it does the same thing to him. Well, again, makes me feel like, OK, I'm not different. I'm not some weird. This isn't weird. Right. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm, you feel like you, you feel like you're, you're beat down a little bit, even the positive, great events. You're just, man, I'm tired. So, uh, it's good to hear him say that as well. And any of you guys out there that want to go be talkers or, or speak on a circuit, just know that it does. If you're talking about an incident that is very traumatic in your life, good and bad, every time you come off that stage, you feel a little bit beat down and you need to take that time for yourself to get away from it all, which he did. And luckily for me, I did as well. And now you come back 10 times stronger. But yeah. But yeah, no, I, great, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, I obviously respect what both of you guys do. I don't think it would be for me. I, I don't think I'd want to relive the same event again and again, and like a terrible event. Like with what we do, it's a new topic every single week. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to repeat <laughs> myself again and again. And I, I I don't think I'd want to talk about what you went through that many times. I don't think I'd want to talk about going through what he went through that many times. And I totally understand the um, therapeutic end of it, but I do. Th- I, I could see myself getting burnt out of it if I yeah. think about it. No, you're, you're right. It, it does. It messes with your head a bit and what gets you through it. Well, Mike said, and I agree with that. And I sa- think I even said it during the talk the same way is that as long as somebody you're helping somebody, it makes it worthwhile. And there's always one person, if not more that come up and it isn't the generic, Hey, I, you respect you. Thank you for your patriotism. It's or uh, an email. It's like, Hey, I heard you talk. I was going through a tough time in my life. You know, I lost a family member. Um, I went through a divorce. Um, I'm having issues with drugs. I've gotten those before. I've been able to kick them. I've seen that I can, I am strong enough to take it on and I can get through this. And those detailed ones is what makes it worthwhile. But brother, you, you know, I, you're spot on. If I had the choice again, would I make that same choice? I, I don't know. I really don't because it did. It does drive you. If you don't surround yourself with positive people or family, close knit family, which I have, um, my wife and my kids and even, you know, even my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, um, I, I, I wouldn't be able to get through it. I wouldn't have. So no, I, I would also on. just wonder if it makes 
it hard to progress to the next chapter of your life because you're reliving it something did. that was a long time ago at this point and you do so much other things now and it's like your family is the center of your life army yeah. ranger is a chapter that's long gone yeah. for you and contract is a chapter that's even gone for you it's gone and those chapters you got to close we we you know you and i've talked about it on shows before as well where it's like hey man that door's closed quit trying to be that 80 year old contractor all right, some, you got to close that door. And, and we've had other veterans that have said the same thing. Let's move on to the next chapter. So it did. Yes, it, you're right. It did. That's what was making it hard on me is because I couldn't close that chapter when I was when I was single, when I was divorced from my second wife and away from my family. And I was, people were coming around that wanted to know more about the story or were using my story to help them get what they wanted to attain. So yeah, I was, I, I couldn't close that chapter and I wanted to, that's why I had to closing that chapter was shit canning Twitter, getting off Instagram, shit canning Facebook, disappearing basically for about a year um, where I just disappeared, not doing any more news. That was the only way I could close the chapter was basically nuke it. I had to nuke the chapter to close it. And then, okay, it's closed. Now I can drive on. Now it's just a past experience that I can use to help. And I, it helps me, but also may help other people. That's fantastic. But really the chapter is closed. I have no inclination to go back overseas. I, I was in Costa Rica doing that kidnapping contract, you know, four years ago in 2017, missing another Halloween, me going, you know, it wasn't Iraq, but it's still, I'm still away from home doing work contract, missing another Halloween going, why the hell am I here? You know, and it really, it did take that nuke in 2018 of bam, blow it all up just to, okay, I can now brush that aside. Chapter's there, close it and move on to the next chapter of my life, which is back to being with my family and being good. And now this, now this speaking events and all this, I bring the family along. So now they're part of, now it's, now it's our chapter together. And no, it's been fantastic. And the speaking, the last two events I did in person recently, last three weeks, they've been the best speaking events, my feeling that I've ever had just because I, now I can not just talk about Benghazi. I'm flashing back to, to when I was young, to ranger school, to the army, to the other contracting employments I did and talking about, talking about faith, man. And it's now it's been, it's been outstanding, but brother, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I had, you have to close those chapters. You can't just be the Benghazi guy forever or the contractor forever or whatever. When that's done, Feel proud that you did it, understand why you did it, and feel good that you accomplished something, but you got to close that door. And now just using as a teaching point for others, and especially corporate leaders that need to hear it right now. There are a lot of them that need to hear it because of the COVID. They're going through hard times right now and how to motivate their team and motivate their corporations. And they, they're, they're, a lot of them are struggling. And that's what's good is you're like, oh my gosh, these guys are struggling and they have adversity. They're going through COVID right now and they're losing People, money, families are having to get, are, are losing their livelihoods, not the corporate guys, but yeah. the lower skills are having to lay them off. How do we get through this? And they, it's been those last two events talking to corporate people has been an eye opener. It's been good. For, I know it's helped them yeah. and they've been able to apply it to what they're going through. So, yeah, man, it's yeah, been and, fantastic. And the people themselves <laughs> getting laid off from jobs, I, I would say the, the one thing is there's more opportunity now to kind of work from home and find gigs elsewhere. So yeah, you know, you definitely got to navigate this and, and find the positive for sure. Um, last thing I was going to get to, 
I've I've been talking about it. And I just need to find it like an hour in your schedule where you can do it. <laughs> I want you to hop on Clubhouse because oh crap, we didn't, not, I forgot. We'll figure oh, out a day because some I know that we have some people in the audience on there, but because it's invite only, it's still a pretty small app. It's still like only like the biggest names only have a handful, like a I don't know, a couple thousand followers at the very top. But it's been interesting. And um I asked if he'd be involved and he was like, Yeah, I'll do it. Um Ian Halperin, the uh, New York Times bestselling author, is so the reason I brought him up is every time I'm in a club, I, I hop on this app, this guy is hosting a room about everything. He'll be like, <laughs> how to invest in stocks and blah. And so for people who don't know Ian Halperin, he he writes a lot of like celebrity gossip books. So he wrote a book on like the Kardashians, he wrote a book on Michael Jackson. And um, he's been on Howard Stern. He's been on Opie and Anthony. His appearances on Opie and Anthony were like legendary because he's just a Opie character. If he hosts this thing, you'll find it hysterical because he's just a fun guy. So the reason I asked him is when I hop in this clubhouse thing, anytime he has a room and I jump in, he gives me an introduction like I'm this super important guy and i'm like what are you talking about so i'll be like i'll be like one of the most accomplished guys in radio like he's done this dude this, you are but you are dude you've been around dude, for I'm a not, long time thank you but but i'm not like mel karmazin or something which is what he I, makes me sound like and it's so funny i so, think you're uh, selling yourself short dude i really i i just also think it's ian halper and being extravagant about everything so I like to be extravagant about him, but he's a, he's an interesting guy because I actually did read his book on Michael Jackson. Like he went undercover to do different things. Some of it I don't know if I believe. Some of it I do believe because he's a little bit over the top. Um, he did write a recent book about like the Epstein stuff. He wrote a book about like COVID stuff going on now. Like this guy's just a machine. So I was like, dude, would you want to do a, a clubhouse room with me and Chris Peranto That's talking good, yeah. about like vets in media? Uh, you know, uh, podcasting. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And and he is a guy who's been in that world because he was very often at Sirius and, um, like I said, legendary appearances on Opie and Anthony and uh, and on Howard as well. And uh, but he's a, he's a super nice guy, but, but he's a weird guy. And we, uh, we, I like to break his balls a little bit and he breaks my balls a little bit. And uh, I was just like, yeah, let's let's do this. So at some point this week, it would be cool to do because I know we have a few people who are on there. Like if you look at your followers, we definitely have a few listeners who are on the clubhouse app. Um, but it is invite only right now, but I think it's going to be big because I, I'll hop on there and there'll be a room about like conspiracy theories. Then there'll be a room about like military stuff. And it's cool that you just get to hear from all these people. I, I really enjoy it. You, you could waste a ton of time on there, but you'd also learn some <laughs> interesting things. There's also, um, there's like stock market rooms in there and you'll learn some like, good information on what stocks to check out. So it's it's a lot more informative than just like, here's a selfie of my ass. Like there's, <laughs> there's things that you can learn. Well said. I can't even approach that one. That's awesome, man. It's true though. So well, I, I know you haven't really been on there and, and I get it. No, it's like there's, there's only so much you could spend time on this stuff. But well, um, and it's social, you know, with me, social media, I, I don't really get, but I, I don't, I don't want to get into that world again. The Instagram, I do the post and I, you'll see, I do them, I actually do methodically. I have a system with algorithms that, I mean, I just don't do it. it Instagram and Facebook are, are part of the business when you're yeah. public, when you're in e-commerce and all that other stuff. It is part of my business. If I didn't have, if I wasn't a speaker or had merchandise or didn't train people, 
and I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have any of my social media. So it, it, it's it's not that I, you know, where you do. I used to do it where I need to have these followers. I, need to, I don't really care about how many followers I have, but I agree. It does help on the sure. on the promotion side. So the clubhouse, I blutter. I apologize. I completely spaced. No, it's it. cool. I I'm looking at my calendar now, so we could get it. Yeah, we'll do it right we'll do it now. This week, I think it'll be cool. So if you guys are on clubhouse, we'll set it up. You could follow both of us. You're Let's try to do it on the sixth. How about the sixth? Uh, this April, yeah. Let's That's Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm gonna write it down. So after, yeah, it's right after Easter Monday. Okay, cool. So I mean, April, yeah, Easter. April 6th, which will be tomorrow for people listening. What time are you thinking? Tomorrow. Uh same time. Uh, do, how long do we how long does it usually go? I, I, it's it's so weird. It could go anything. I mean, we'll probably do like an hour on there or something. Let's just do it at the same time. Eleven. Then I then I'm up. I okay. got some of my emails answered. I I'm got a couple ask, of coffee in me. I'm gonna ask Ian Halperin. So eleven you, central. Central time. Yeah. Eleven central. So if you guys are on there, um and I know not a lot of you are because, like I said, you kind of have to know someone. It's it's an interesting uh, app, but you could add me, uh, Ian Scotto, Christian Peranto on there. Um, we both don't have like a major following on there, but it's a newer app. It's it's uh, yeah. So we'll do something. I'm going to ask uh, Ian Halperin. And that's really it. Uh, follow us on everything else, though, at Battleline Podcast on, Insta- on Instagram at Battleline Pod. We're, we're even on Parlor, but you know what? I think Parlor is going to be going away because you know, Trump is trying to start his own parlor type of thing. And once Trump starts it, I don't think, I don't think parlor is going to be, cause he's got, so I, I never got on. I, I really, I said, I never used it. For, I don't even know much about it. and clubhouse. I'm going to have to figure that one out too, but where, where, where you need to find us. But if you really do want to find us and, and contact us and really, you know, go to my website, you can hit the Tano's gear locker and Jeremy Mitchell will see the email and he'll pass it on to Ian. Um, or if you want to, or just get on Facebook or any Instagram, Facebook is where you are going to be able to, I, at least my opinion, brother, you answer a majority of those, if not all the emails and, and DMs that come in. But am I saying that probably the best place yeah, to try really to, yeah. want is those two. And then if you shoot an email to uh, Tano's, uh, either get on Tano's Gear Locker or ChrisTonoProno.com, hit Battleline Podcast. There's an email contact below there. We'll see it. And Ian will, I generally don't answer. Ian will answer it, um, but I'll see the email. And if it's something I need to get into, I will. But yeah. Can- yeah. Or you could just send a question to uh, yeah. battle on podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, that's about it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave us a review on Apple podcasts uh, next week. Uh, as long as everything goes accordingly, we got Jake's wig and we haven't had a Navy SEAL in a while. And Jake's wig is a character. I always yep. love talking to this guy. I know you've never talked to him, but you guys are both. I mean, he's been on Top Shot. And uh, from what I know on the inside, it was apparently destroying don't, don't everybody. Spoil don't spoil it, though. Yeah. Don't spoil the Top Shot. You got to get that. Up. Uh, so the point is both you guys know how to shoot. So I think it'll be a good discussion. Well, yeah, I do want to hear a story. We got a good story with him on t- with his Top Shot and behind the scenes. He'll tell us a little bit about those kind of shows. So yeah, I can't he also wait. is doing a lot of um, stuff for guys who want to be seals, um, like how to get through buds. But the funny thing with him is he's straightforward. He's just like, he's very straightforward that you're probably not going to make it. And just look at the statistics <laughs> and he'll even say to them, you, you know, he'll, he'll tell people not to go into the seals and maybe go in the army for certain things. He's, he's very much like realistic about it. Uh, And I like all that. And you guys have the connection that he currently is still working in in a football um, uh, for a college football team. He's on the staff there. So he's a big football guy. So, yeah, I I didn't know that. 
Outstanding. Look, looking forward to it. I mean, we'll always have a good time. Anytime we have other uh, special ops guys or you know, it doesn't matter, Rangers, SEALs, Marine Recon guys, it, it always goes off well because we have a lot more in common. We give each other shit, but we really have a ton in common. And every one of us, the language may be a tad different, but we really all speak the same thing. And we laugh at the same stuff. We still have the same demented sense of humor. So it'd be great, man. It's going to be a good, good interview. I agree. All right. Have a good week, everyone. If you're on Clubhouse, find us. Uh, we'll be on there tomorrow if you're listening on Monday, uh, 12 p.m. East, if all goes well. I'm going to ask uh, Ian Alperin and hopefully set this thing up. But, yeah, have a great week, everyone, and hope you all uh, enjoyed your evening. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>